with prayer. Jesus, our King, we thank you that you have called us to follow you. And we do give you praise this morning. We don't leave it to others. We don't leave it to the stones. We give you the honor you are due this morning as King of Kings. And as we follow your life, as we look into your word today, we pray that you reveal yourself to us in a special way. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, it's our second to the last week for our trivia question. Who's the first disciple of Jesus? Mary is the first disciple of Jesus. As I said before, her life is like trail markers. Our Gospels are about Jesus, but Mary shows up in the stories every so often. And we can see her spiritual progression as she walks with Jesus, as she follows Jesus. And I look at her life and say, hmm, am I following Jesus? And if so, where might I be on my journey? Do I have the life of a Jesus follower? So over the last uh, uh, this season of Lent, we've seen several things. Jesus chooses his disciples, and he meets them at the core of their being. We've seen that a disciple learns caution with the power of Jesus. That Jesus guides his followers to a transformed identity. That Jesus always does the will of the Father, not always what his followers expect. We've seen that a follower of Jesus has courageous faith, which is boldly praying and obeying. Last week we saw that Jesus' family is inclusive. And today, what we're going to see is a Jesus follower consistently follows Jesus. A Jesus follower consistently follows Jesus. Now, for some of us, you might say, well, that's obvious. If you're a Jesus follower, then you follow Jesus. But sometimes we need to hear the obvious. Because people don't always do the obvious good. I know I don't always. But think about this. Last time you were driving your car. It's obvious that when I or when someone else is driving a car that we should pay attention to our driving, right? But I see people on their phone and texting all the time. It's obvious that that shouldn't be done, but do people do it? Yes. When Jesus told the parable of the soils, He said that the seeds of the gospel in people's lives sometimes fall on rocky ground and sometimes fall on ground with weeds. And he explained that by saying, these people do follow Jesus. They start to follow Jesus. And then the one sown on the rocky ground, it says, they hear the word of God and immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves. They endure for a while. But then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately fall away. They start to follow Jesus, but they don't consistently follow Jesus. The ones that are sown among the thorns, they hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches riches and the desires for other things in the world choke out the word and they become unfruitful. What Jesus wants for us is to be good soil. People who hear the word of God and accept it and bear fruit. That means there's a consistency. 
and our growth. Now, I'm not talking about following Jesus absolutely, perfectly, never without a stake, mistake or wavering. But I'm talking about consistency. That if I were to look over the track record of my life, from the time that I believed in Jesus, am I consistently heading in a trajectory towards Jesus? And the longer that I follow Jesus, the less I waver from the path of Jesus. Despite the challenges that life may bring. Consistency. Am I heading in the same direction and is my path getting better? Because see, everything else is... That track record is a is a measure that we can use to see our growth in Jesus. Everything else is a point in time. There was a point in my life, it was actually right, probably right, either right before I got married or right after, where we were kind of cleaning up our stuff as we put our stuff together for the household. And I had all my awards from school, like all the way back to elementary school. Every year I got the Citizenship Award, which... I think just means I never got called to the principal's office that year. And so, you know, having the citizenship award, that gives me a point in time reference for me in elementary school, but it doesn't say who I am right now. You can go in my office and you can see that I have my degrees on my wall. That proclaims my education level. It doesn't proclaim my quality as a person. Like Donald Trump, I also have not released my taxes. But if you were to see my taxes, you could see how much money I made. Actually, all you have to do is look at the church budget, and you can see how much money I made. Pretty easy. And you can, on my taxes, it shows how much I've given away and to who. But it doesn't state my motives. My track record of following Jesus that's becoming more like Jesus should testify to me actually becoming a better person, becoming more like Jesus and bringing his life and strength to others. Now, we've been following the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus, as she interacts in the stories of Jesus. But this week, Mary's not in the story directly, but she is mentioned by name. Her name stands out in contrast to everyone else in this story because she's a consistent follower of Jesus. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. This is talking about Jesus. It says, He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. First thing we see about Jesus here, Jesus desires followers. Jesus wants to have followers. We know this because his disciples followed him. Jesus had been traveling and teaching and healing people, and now his travels has taken him back to his hometown, Nazareth. And his disciples followed him there, and he let them. We don't have it stated anywhere in the scriptures that any of Jesus' close disciples or the twelve apostles were came 
came from Nazareth. But they followed him there. Jesus let his disciples follow him home. If he didn't want followers, he could have said, Hey, you guys, I'm taking a break. I'm going to my home. You guys go to your homes. And I'll see you in a week or two. But he let them follow him all the way to his home. And when he got home, he began to teach in the synagogue. Now we know Jesus at some point had been in this area and he went to a wedding. But Jesus didn't come home for a rest. Jesus didn't come home to attend a wedding. Jesus came to Nazareth to do what he had been doing in the other places. Teaching. Healing. To get believing followers. So he went to the place that a religious teacher would teach. The synagogue. And he went on the day that the religious teacher would teach. The Sabbath. I'm looking for followers. So he went to church. When I was a youth pastor, I sometimes like thought of myself a bit like Peter Pan. Because you gotta kinda keep that young attitude, even though I was still pretty young myself at the time. And, and I had all these kids that were my lost boys that followed me around. I had my own troop of lost boys and lost girls. And here's the thing, not all the teens lived in the same town as my church. So, on the weekends, my parents and sometimes other other youth parents would open up their homes for the teens so they could be at church on Sunday morning and then we had youth group Sunday night. So every Friday night I'd get a call, didn't have cell phones in, so I might get a call on my home phone or a beep on my pager from somebody, hey, can you pick us up? Can you pick me up? Can you pick me and my friends up? And so I'd be bringing these kids to my parents' house Friday night, and they'd stay all day Saturday, and then all day Sunday, and then they'd go home. I'd have people with kids all weekend. Can we stay at your house? My friend Bob, he was in charge of our Awana group, the younger kids, and he said to me one day, he says, you know what, Paul? You're not married, and I know you don't sleep around, but somehow you have kids in four counties. And you bring them to your house every weekend. I was like, yeah, it's crazy. You know, we, uh, But I wasn't looking for people to follow me. And we need to look at where people are in their own spiritual journey and beliefs, even if their journey is taking them away from God and not towards God, and meet them and relate to them where where they're at. You know, it's in a real sense, it doesn't matter if that one non-Christian that I'm doing life with desires a relationship with Jesus or not because Jesus desires a relationship with them. And even in my own life, 
Even when I'm not seeking Jesus, Jesus is seeking me. Jesus desires followers. Jesus wants to teach me. Jesus wants to heal me. Jesus wants to cast out my demons. Jesus wants to raise me from the dead. Jesus wants me to follow him home. See, Jesus desires followers, but not so he can have a big youth group or a big church congregation, but because he loves people and wants to give them life. And we'll see, he does have an impact on his hometown. Continuing in verse 2, it says, And many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things, they said? What is this wisdom given to him, and how are these miracles performed by his hands? Jesus' stories draw followers. And I word that in a particular way. Not Jesus' stories, not just that, but Jesus' stories. Because there's two kinds of Jesus stories. First, there are the stories that Jesus told. And that draws followers. Jesus taught people, and he told them parables, and people liked his teaching. The phrase that says they were astonished, it literally means many listeners were blown away by what they heard from Jesus. They liked his stories. And they didn't know where he got these things. He had parables that they hadn't heard before. Jesus had a unique way, especially compared to the Pharisees that perhaps they had been listening to, of approaching the law of God from the heart. Jesus spoke with wisdom and authority. Have you ever had a teacher or a preacher like that? You're all supposed to say, yes, every Sunday. Yeah. Now, I, don't, I don't expect I blow you away like Jesus, but I'm preaching Jesus. Jesus should blow you away. So they're just blown away by, by what they're hearing from Jesus. So the stories Jesus told are blowing them away. And then there's also the stories about Jesus. They had heard about the miracles he had done in other places. And we'll see later in the passage that Jesus has done a few miracles in his hometown as well. They've seen some of them. So they, they know what Jesus is teaching, and that blows them away. They know what Jesus has been doing, and that's blowing them away. Jesus' stories. What he says and what he does both draw followers to him. I have a picture up here of my friend Linda Wright. She is a master storyteller. That's not a title I give her. That is actually her job. She is certified. She is a master storyteller. And she tells interesting stories. She knows a lot of African folklore, different kinds of stuff. Uh, she, she, uh, she dresses up and does Harriet Tubman. Her stories are very interesting because she's a master storyteller. But she is also interesting. She can draw people to herself without telling a story. And that's Jesus, like Jesus. Both his stories and his person are drawing people. 
So if I want to be drawn to Jesus, or if I'm looking to draw others to Jesus, I've got two great tools in my toolbox. And they're both the same brand. Jesus Stories. People get close to Jesus Christ by hearing about and from Jesus Christ. If I want my life not to be built on the shallow or the rocky soil, I need to spend time in the stories of Jesus. And really, the whole Bible is about Jesus loving and saving the world, not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I'm not limited to just those four books. And we need to bring those stories to where people are. We meet people where they're at. If I have a couple come in and they want to talk to me about their marriage, we talk about their marriage. But I do them a disservice if I don't also talk to them about Jesus at some point. If someone wants to talk to me about their feelings, I let them talk about their feelings. But at some point... I need to talk to them about Jesus. If someone wants to talk to me about their sickness, I also need to tell them stories about Jesus the healer. And if someone wants to tell me about their happiness, I need to celebrate with them, absolutely. And also tell them the story of joy that lasts beyond our circumstances. See, whether it's my marriage, my emotions my health, my joy, or someone else's, I can find wisdom and healing that will blow me away in Jesus' stories. Jesus' stories draw followers, and Jesus desires followers. But then something happens. Verse 3. The people say, Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and, Sim, and yeah, Simon, excuse me. And aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. Then they said to him, a pro, then Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives and in his household. So he was not able to do any miracles there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Now, he was going around the villages in a circuit teaching. So while Jesus desires followers and draws followers, Jesus also dismays potential followers. He confuses his potential followers. Now, here we are at our final point, And Mary, who's been the linchpin of our series, finally gets a brief mention. It says, the people of Jesus' hometown, they knew him. He's the carpenter. They're not calling Jesus the rabbi at this point. They're calling, that's Jesus the carpenter. He's the son of Mary. They're not even calling him the son of Joseph. Now that could be derogatory, or it could be that Joseph's dead. We don't know. And Mary is, with this, is now criticized by association. 
I see stories every week of somebody who gets offended or kicked out of a restaurant or something because they're wearing a Trump Make America Great Again hat. It's guilt by association. And that's what's happening with with Mary. Oh, yeah, this guy, that's Mary's son. And we know his brothers. I can We can name them off. And he has sisters that are like right here. The people have gone from being blown away by Jesus to being scandalized by Jesus. This is the same story that we unpack from today, Palm Sunday, to Good Friday. Palm Sunday, everybody loves Jesus. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let me throw my coat down so your donkey can walk on it. By Friday, everybody wants him dead or has abandoned him. And that's how quick it has turned around in this town. Wow, Jesus, you're blowing us away. Aren't you just a carpenter? Illegitimate son? That's not the kind of followers Jesus desires. And he rebukes his hometown and his relatives and his household. And he doesn't do many miracles there because the people don't have faith. We know from other passages like John 7, 5, that even his own brothers didn't believe in him until after the resurrection. But who is briefly mentioned in this passage that we know has, had, and does, and still believes in Jesus? Mary. She's still consistent. Even though there's just one, possibly in this town, one follower, Jesus keeps on drawing followers. Sometimes we just need to grow by one. You know, this, this idea that the same thing that draws people can also be the thing that turns people off. We actually probably experience this in our lives. If I sniff and say, something stinks, what's the first thing that people usually do? They also sniff. And then the second is they get disgusted. Oh, yeah, it does stink. Skunk. Somebody tooted. Turn on the vent. Put up the windows or put down the windows. But first, everybody wants to try it, right? We want to rate it. (laughs) Instead of just believing. It stinks. But we need to... We test it, and then we get turned off. I need to be ready for the Jesus reaction. When a Jesus story or Jesus himself speaks into my life, am I going to get offended, or am I going to get closer? And who is that one person you are drawing to Jesus?
Jesus may have not had any disciples from his hometown except for his mom. He went there for one. Who's your one? A Jesus follower consistently follows Jesus. Mary met Jesus and followed Jesus and his dangerous power to a transformed identity. He surprised her expectations. She had to pray and obey. And he invited others into the family. We will see next Friday. She will follow him all the way to the cross. My prayer is that each one of us will be that consistent. Let's pray. From Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let us now proclaim that his mercy endures forever. Open for me the gates of righteousness and I will enter them. I will offer thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. He who is righteous may enter. I will give thanks to you, for you answered me and have become my salvation. The same stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. On this day the Lord has acted, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Hosanna, Lord Hosanna. Lord, send us now success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God is the Lord, and he has shined upon us from a form of procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will thank you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Lord, today, we don't want to be people who follow you for a day, who show up for church for Palm Sunday, Christmas, Easter, who read our Bibles, read the Jesus stories only on Sunday, who pray only it before a meal. but who consistently walk with you. Let the gate you enter today not just be remembered as entering Jerusalem, but entering into our lives where you can reign in righteousness and be seated on the throne of our hearts forever. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen.